The following is a production of Phoenix Media. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings of a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. Things have taken a serious turn at the bonded logging camp deep in the North Woods where Clark Kent and young Jimmy Olsen are involved in a baffling mystery. Not only have four lumberjacks met death at unknown hands, but the legend of the White Plague, said to be responsible for the death, now seems to be seeking vengeance from Kent and Jimmy. When we last saw them, they were driving a horse-drawn sled back to the camp, a sled carrying the lifeless body of a lumberjack, who had suddenly and mysteriously collapsed. Without warning, a rifle began blazing at them from the woods adjoining the trail. Shouting to Jimmy to keep low, Kent sent the horse into a gallop as steel-jacketed bullets whined about his head. Stay down, Jimmy. Whoever's handling that rifle means business. Get up, boy. Be careful, Mr. Kent. You get hit. Don't worry about me. Stop shooting. Yeah, but keep low until you get around this bend. There. Okay, I guess we can pull up. Whoa, boy. Hold it. Whoa. There's a call. Who do you think it was, Mr. Kent? I don't know, Jimmy. But if they think we're going to take this lying down, they're crazy. They can believe that the White Plague kills off people mysteriously if they want to, but the White Plague doesn't shoot a high-powered rifle. You know, I'd almost swear that a couple of those bullets bounced off your back. Oh, now look here, Jimmy. I admit it's impossible, but that's how it seems. Every time there was a shot, I heard the bullet whiz by. Every time except twice. Then there was a little thump, and he sort of stiffened up and... Oh, forget it. I'm just nuts. I'm beginning to think so. Well, what do we do now? No sense sitting here. We might just as well go on to the camp. I'd like to sneak back and see if I can find some trace of whoever was shooting at us. Let him have another shot at you? I know you've got a lot of courage and all that, but good grief, you're not Superman. Oh, no? I mean... Oh, no, no, of course not. Well, let's head for the camp, but don't mention this shooting incident to anyone, Jimmy. Not even to Mr. Harmon? Not even to Mr. Harmon. He has plenty to worry about as it is. Let's keep it quiet for a while. Okay. Get up, boy. Come on. Get up.
Oh, that fire sure feels good after spending most of the day watching your men chop trees, Mr. Harmon. Yes, I suppose it does. Kent, I'm at the end of my rope. This last thing, Sam Green's death, is all I can stand. I'm riding into town tonight to wire Mr. Bartlett that I'm closing up. You can't do that, Mr. Harmon. That's quitting in the face of a little trouble. You call this a little trouble? Four men dead under strange circumstances and every human being in the camp in deadly fear that he'll be next? You call that a little trouble? Well, I admit it's puzzling, but there must be a solution. This nonsense about the white plague seeking vengeance on your men because they've been cutting trees with snow-covered roots is so much childish superstition. Yes, I know. But you can't convince the men of that. Some of them are getting ready to leave now. What does Dawson say? What can he say? Bill doesn't believe it any more than you or I do, but he's helpless. Matter of fact, you and young Jimmy have no right staying here. What if something happened to either one of you? Oh, nothing's going to happen to us. By the way, where is Jimmy? Well, Nancy took him out back to show him the baby raccoon she's penned up. Oh. Come in. Oh, it's you, Olaf. Yeah, I bring back right from Mr. Harmon. All right, just set it in the corner with the others, Olaf. Thank you. And uh, if you see Mr. Dawson, Olaf, ask him to step in. Yeah, Mr. Harmon, I do. Was he one of the felling crew Dawson had out this morning, Mr. Harmon? The crew Sam Green was with? Yes. Where did he get the rifle? Why, each crew takes one along in case of wolves or bears. And that rifle went along with Dawson's crew? Now, I'm sorry, Kent, but frankly, I'm in no state of mind to answer unimportant questions. What difference does it make what rifle went with what crew? Haven't we more important things to think about? I wonder. Where are you going, Kent? Which of these rifles did that Swede just return? Uh, well, the one on the right. This one? Yes. Uh, here, smell this barrel. Burnt powder. This rifle's been shot recently. Well, what of it? Is there any law against firing a rifle? Yes, if you fire it at human beings. What are you talking about, Kent? Well, I hadn't intended telling you this for fear of worrying you further, but someone tried to kill Jimmy and myself today, Mr. Harmon. What? But Kent, you don't mean that. I'm afraid I do. When we were driving the sled back to camp, someone fired at us from the woods with a rifle. This rifle. Someone fired at you? Yes, quite a number of shots. But why, Kent? Well, that's not important at the moment. What is important is that this rifle was used to fire the shots. You can't be sure of that. We have four rifles in camp, all of them the same make. They may have all been fired today. At wolves. Well, we can find out, can't we? The crew Jimmy and I were with had no reason for using a rifle. That is, up to the time we left. Suppose you call that Swedish logger back. He should know whether the rifle was used. That's a good idea, Kent. I'll put my Mackinac on and get him. This is simply terrible. I'll be right back. I wonder whether the person who used this rifle was smart enough to reload it. Well, only one way to find out. Hmm. There's a brand new full five-shot clip in here. He was smart enough. But he didn't bother to clean the barrel, and that's what may hang all this on him. Well, you didn't waste any time, Mr. Harmon. There isn't any to waste. Olaf, this is Mr. Kent. Even glad to meet you, Mr. Kent. How do you do, Olaf? That's the rifle you just returned, isn't it, Olaf? 
The one Mr. Kent is holding? Yeah, I, I think so. It's the one you brought back a few minutes ago and placed in the corner? Yeah, yeah. Was that rifle used today, Olaf? You mean was shot, Mr. Harmon? Yes, I mean shot. Oh, no, that's the rifle she know was shot today. No, no. Are you sure, Olaf? I've been sure, used like I've been sure my name, Olaf Johnson. Nobody shot this rifle? Yeah. You mean somebody did shoot it? Oh, no, no, you, you got me twisted, Mr. Harmon. Uh, Kent, hmm? you'd better take over. I, I can't even think straight. Olaf, you say the rifle wasn't shot all day, is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you know it wasn't shot? Where was it? Leaning on stump. I've been seen it 20 times, maybe. I understand. You saw the rifle leaning against the stump. All right, but someone might have picked it up and shot it. No, no. Did you hear any rifle shots this afternoon? Yeah. Oh, but you're sure they didn't come from this gun? Yeah. Huh. Well, Mr. Harmon, either he's lying or he's mistaken. Oh, left, never lie. What do you mean when you say that? Now, say, take it easy, old. Mr. Kent didn't say that you lied. Yeah, I've been here. He may know us deaf. I punch him in his nose. I'm sorry, Olaf. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I hurt your face with punching nose if you say Olaf tell lies. All right, Olaf. All right. You can go now. Uh, Olaf say rifle no shot. Rifle no shot. A no tell lies. Well, I always knew Swedes were sensitive, but not that sensitive. Well, now what, Kent? Looks like we're up against the blank wall again. While you were getting Olaf, I examined the rifle, Mr. Harmon. Whoever used it took the precaution of reloading it with a new clip of cartridges. That convinces me this was the gun employed. Well, assuming that it is, what good does that knowledge do us unless we know who pulled the trigger? I wish Dawson had get here. Maybe he knows the answer to this. Why, didn't he come back with the crew? Yes, but an ice jam developed on the river. We went down to blow it out. Oh. We're due to float 10,000 feet downstream tonight because it must reach the mill by next week. Well, he should be back shortly. Kent, I don't think I can stand much more of this. Oh, now, buck up, Mr. Harmon. It'll straighten out. I suppose so. In the meantime, I... I can't take it. I'm not as young as I'd like to be when trouble starts brewing. I've had my share of it all my life and managed to squeeze by, but... When you're going on 55, Kent, you feel as though you've got a right to sit back. Relax. You'll get that chance, I'm sure. I'm worried about Nancy, Kent. When I take things hard, it upsets her terribly. I know she hasn't slept a wink these last few nights. I hear her get up, come out, and sit by the fire. Not right. Hmm. Hey, by the way, where are Jimmy and Nancy? I didn't realize it, but it's almost dark. Why, I told you, they went out to look at the raccoons. Yes, but that was almost an hour ago. Where are the raccoons? The wire pen, out and back. Here, this way. Yeah, there's the pen, next to that shed. Well, I don't see either of them. Jimmy! They may have walked down around the cabins. And she knows my whistle. She'll answer it. That's funny. I'm going to look for them. It'll be pitch dark soon. Now, wait a minute, Kent. Look at these footprints in the snow around the pen. One set is Nancy's, and the other set must be Jimmy's. Yes, it is. We can follow them. Come on. Where do they lead to? Back of the shed. What there? Nothing but a little cleared land and a pine woods. Well, the prints are headed right for the woods. I don't like this, Kent. Nancy would never wander away like this. Wait a minute. Hold up. All right. What is it, Kent? Look. They never got to the woods. The footprints end here, right out in the open. No, they... They must have gone back or turned off. Those are the only footprints in the snow besides our own. But Kent, it's impossible. 
They couldn't just vanish. Where could they have gone? And according to these footprints, there's only one place they could have gone. Up in the air. Now, what strange, baffling thing has happened to add to the mystery surrounding the logging camp? Where did Jimmy and Nancy Harmon vanish to, and how is it possible that their footprints in the snow ended abruptly? Can you figure it out? If you can't, don't fail to listen to the next episode of Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loop Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loop on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loop Crate, the Loop Crate DX collectible boxes, dude, Calabunga! to the Loop Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Browsers! With crits starting as large as 11 dollars per month, those are facts just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media dot u-s forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look, up in the sky! It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. The legend of the White Plague, a strange superstition of the frozen North, has been terrorizing the Bartlett logging camp where Clark Kent and young Jimmy Olsen are vacationing. When we last saw Kent, he and Fred Harmon, middle-aged boss of the camp, were alone in the camp office. Suddenly, Kent realized it was getting dark and wondered what had happened to Harmon's daughter, Nancy, and Jimmy Olsen, both of whom had gone out to look at some young raccoons penned up behind the cabin. Kent investigated but found no sign of them. However, their footprints were clearly visible in the snow and seemed to point in the direction of a pine forest about a quarter of a mile behind the logging camp. Puzzled and worried, Kent and Harmon followed the footprints until they suddenly and mysteriously stopped halfway between the camp and the forest. For a moment, both men were speechless. Then Kent said, Look, Mr. Harmon, they never got to the woods. These footprints end abruptly right out here in the open. But it's impossible, Kent. They must have gone back or turned off and walked in another direction. But those are the only footprints in the snow besides our own. But Kent, it's fantastic. Nancy and Jimmy couldn't just vanish. Where did they go? According to these footprints, there's only one place they could have gone. Up in the air. Can't please. This is no time for jokes. In another ten minutes, it'll be pitch dark. Nancy! 
Nancy! You'd better go back to camp, Mr. Harmon. Check all the cabins. Jimmy has an insatiable curiosity, and he might have talked Nancy into taking him on a tour of inspection. I'll look through the pine woods. Wait a minute. Someone's coming. Oh, it's you, Dawson. Even, Kent. Something wrong? Plenty, Dawson. Nancy and Kent's boy Jimmy have disappeared. What? I think they've just wandered off, Mr. Dawson. Probably find them in one of the loggers' cabins chewing the fat. I wish I was that optimistic. Look at those footprints in the snow, Dawson. They're Nancy's and Jimmy's. See how they stopped short? No backtracks? No. They didn't turn back. That's funny. Tracks got to lead somewhere. That's what frightens me. They don't. Now, look, Mr. Harmon, you mustn't let go. I'm just as concerned as you are, but we'll find them. You and Dawson check the cabins. I'll search the woods. No man in his right mind goes into them woods alone after dark, Mr. Kent. Not with the wolves hungry as they are. Wolves don't bother me. You check the cabins. And if you locate them, give me a shout. Hold up, Kent. Don't go in there alone. I'd better go with them, Mr. Harmon. You route the men out and have them search the east woods in pairs. I'll go along with Kent. All right. All right. Hold up, Kent. I'm coming with you. Don't worry too much about me, Dawson. You don't know the north woods during a bad winter, Mr. Kent. Even a hungry fox will charge a man. Come on. What do you make of all this, Dawson? I don't know. Don't seem human. Oh, it's human, all right. I didn't tell you, but Jimmy and I came close to losing our lives when we drove that sled back to camp today. Why? Someone fired at us from the woods. That was human, all right. That's what you can count on. Legends, even important ones like the White Plague, can't pull the trigger of a high-powered rifle. You mean someone actually shot at you and the boy trying to hit you? That's just what I mean. And the rifle he used was the same one your logging crew took along on the job today. Now, just a minute, Kent. If you're insinuating that one of mine... I'm not insinuating anything, Mr. Dawson. I'm stating cold facts. Well, since you know what rifle was used, maybe you know who used it. No, I don't. At least at the moment. But I'll find out, Dawson, if I have to stay here until the snow melts. Ah, well, here we are at the edge of the woods. You see any tracks? I don't want. They're not in the woods, Kent. Nancy knew better than to go into that thick pine at night. Jimmy! 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 That can be heard for over a mile. If there's no answer... Wait a minute. But I heard something moving through the brush. Woodchuck, likely. That pine's full of them. Jimmy! Miss Harmon! What was that? Sounded like shots. Rifle from the camp. Come on, let's beat it back. Who do you think shooting? No, no. Cut back to the office, Ken. All right. There's a deep snow drift on the other side. Follow me. Right. Wait a minute. There's someone standing in the raccoon pen. He's carrying a rifle. Who's there? It's me. Fred Harmon. Oh. oh. I missed it. I'm sure I missed it. You missed what, Mr. Harmon? I heard his wings beating. What? I rushed in for a rifle, and by the time I came out again, I could barely see him. What are you talking about, Mr. Harmon? It was like an eagle, Kent, only bigger. A white eagle. I think you'd better go inside, Mr. Harmon. No, no, wait. If I come back. I shot at it twice, but I'm sure I missed it. Take his other arm, Kent. Let go of me. You think I'm mad, don't you? Well, I'm not. I saw it as clearly as I see you, and I heard its wings. It was big enough to lift a man from the ground. Do you hear? Big enough to lift a man. Please, Mr. Harmon. I know it sounds mad, but believe me, it's the truth. Look. What's that sticking up on the snowbank? No. Over there. It's a feather. A large white feather. Oh, you'll see. Now, do you believe me? Let me see it, Kent. Here. 
a feather, all right. And look at the size of it. Look at it. Too big for an eagle feather, even a tail quill. I told you, it had a ten-foot wing spread. It was big enough to carry a man off. Can't you know what that means? Tell a crank any minute now, Dawson. Take him into his cabin. I'll be right back. It means ten. But Nasty and Jimmy were carried off someplace. I know what it means. That Superman has to step in. I'm sure Harmon must be mistaken, but I can't take any chances. If there is a bird that big up in the sky, I'll find it. Up! Up! And away! Franklin's finding, Mr. Harmon, will make you feel better. No, I don't want it. Where did Kent go, Dawson? I don't know. He said he'd be back. Dawson, those footprints in the snow, Nancy's and Jimmy's. Remember how they ended abruptly? Remember? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah, take this brandy, Mr. Harmon. Dawson, send a man into town. I want to wire Mr. Bartlett. We're closing the camp, Dawson. I can't stand it any longer. All right, I'll send a man in. Here, drink this. Uh, that'll make you feel better. What time is it, Dawson? I don't know, Mr. Harmon. I haven't got my watch. There's a clock in the back room. Bring it in here. Okay. There. All right, put it on the table. What time is it? 8.15. It's dark out, isn't it? Pitch dark. Yeah. Nancy and the boy are out there in the darkness. We may never see them again, Dawson. Never. No sign of any giant bird yet. I know this is all a waste of precious time, but I've got to satisfy myself that Harmon was just mad with anxiety. And yet his story of the bird and those footprints in the snow match perfectly. Wait. What's that down below me in the forest clearing? Smoke pouring out of a chimney. That's strange. Dawson told me there wasn't a human being within five miles of the camp. I think I'll drop down and investigate. Down! Down! The log cabin. No light inside, but there must be a fire burning. Might as well look into it as Clark Kent. It doesn't look like there's anyone home. Wonder whether the door's locked. No, it's open. Hello, is anyone in? It's not. Wait. Someone stretched out on a cot. What? Why, it's Nancy Harmon. And there's Jimmy on another cot. See now. And they're both breathing evenly. And they're not hurt. Seem to be asleep. Jimmy. Jimmy, wake up. Nothing doing. I don't know what's the matter. They've been drugged. I'd better get them back to camp as soon as possible. I'll have to fly with Superman. All right. Here we are. One under each arm. Out the door. Up! Up! And away! What time is it, Dawson? You just asked me, Mr. Harmon. 9.25. Kent hasn't come back yet? No. You send a man into town to get the wire off, Dawson? Not yet. Well, why not? 
What are you waiting for? I think we'd better wait until Mr. Kent gets back. Why? Well, I don't know, but... What was that wind? Is there a storm coming up? I don't think so. Take a look outside. Okay. Hold the door open, Dalton. Here, found him, Kent. Nancy! Nancy! Take it easy, Mr. Harmon. Here, give me a hand with you, Dalton. Yeah, sure. Put Nancy on the couch. All right. That's it. Yeah, this is that easier. Big enough for Jimmy. Yeah. There you go, young fella. Yeah, that's fine. Kent. They're dead. No, no, they're not. No, sir. Where's the nearest doctor, Dalton? At Hart's Landing. That's 50 miles. What? But what's the matter with them, Kent? Were they hurt? No, no, they, they, they won't hurt. They're all right. They, they seem to have been drugged. No doctor nearer than Hart's Landing? No, but Father Malone at Montville knows a lot about treating the sick. He does it all the time. Well, send someone for him at once. We may be able to bring Nancy and Jimmy around without help, but let's not take any chances. Okay, I'll get a sled off right away. Good. Kent, will they live? Of course they will. I'll get you some warm water and get, get some milk. All the milk you have. We've got to work fast, Mr. Harmon. Every minute counts. How serious is the condition of Nancy and Jimmy? Were they drugged, as Kent seems to think, or is there another explanation for their mysterious disappearance? And who left them in the log cabin deep in the woods? Don't miss the next episode of Superman if you want the answers. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth. And justice. And now to our story. When Nancy Harmon and young Jimmy Olsen seemingly vanished into thin air, Kent, as Superman, found them in a cabin deep in the woods, some miles from the Bartlett logging camp, of which Nancy's father, Fred Harmon, is boss. They appeared to be under the sleep-producing influence of a drug. Rushing them back to the camp, Kent had Bill Dawson, Harmon's right-hand man, send to Montville, the nearest town, for Father Malone, a Northwoods priest who, because of the lack of a physician, ministers to the body as well as the soul. It is midnight in the logging camp office. Nancy and Jimmy, although still under the influence of the sleeping potion, seem to be in no danger. Fred Harmon, exhausted by the ordeal, has gone to bed. Kent and Father Malone, a tall, broad-shouldered man with warm gray eyes and a ready smile, are seated before the fire. Well, now, let's see. I've been up in this section of the woods close to 12 years, Mr. Kent. That's a long time, Father Malone. Oh, not so long. Time passes quickly when there are things to do. Yes, 12 years. My first parish was in St. Clair. That's 10 miles north of Montville. Oh? 
I, I had seven worshippers, and five of them didn't understand a word of English, and I didn't speak a word of French. <laughs> but we got along famously. The moment those Canucks discovered I could handle a rifle, we were friends. <laughs> don't you ever want to go back to a big city? No, no, I, I don't think I'd like it. People are so much more human up here. Mm -hmm. They learn to depend on themselves, and they learn to develop faith in themselves and in providence. Mm. Uh, where did you learn medicine, Father? Books. And a few lessons from Dr. Warren at Hart's Landing. Oh. Of course, I uh, never tamper with anything that looks serious. Just odds and ends. Well, you're quite sure Jimmy and Miss Harmon will be all right? Positive. Pulse and respiration are normal. Your diagnosis, I think, was quite correct. Some sort of a sleeping portion. Now, tell me exactly what happened. Well, apparently, Father, it's the White Plague legend again. Okay. Yes, it seems two loggers died very mysteriously a few days ago. And then a third came staggering in out of a blizzard last night and passed away almost in my arms. Then, early today, a fourth man collapsed. Dawson said he'd been struck by a rattler. Oh, no, that's nonsense. Snakes hibernate during the winter. Anything else happened? Yes, early this afternoon, Jimmy and I were riding back to camp in a horse-drawn sled when someone shot at us from the woods. Shot to kill. I've been waiting for something like that. So? This white plague legend has been haunting me, Kent, ever since I started working among lumberjacks. Like any legend, it passes from mouth to mouth, and the miracles created by it are manifold. But sooner or later, we discover the legend is being put to good or bad use by some misguided human. Mm. So you were shot at, eh? Yes. Fortunately, neither Jimmy nor I were hit. We got back to camp, and while Mr. Harmon and I were discussing the series of curious accidents... Jimmy and Miss Harmon went out to look at some young raccoons penned up near a shed. Yes, uh, Dawson uh, mentioned that incident to me. Uh -huh. How you followed their footprints in the snow and they suddenly stopped. That's right. Did he tell you about the big white bird? Oh, I know. What was that? Well, while Dawson and I were searching for Jimmy and Nancy, we heard two rifle shots. We ran back and found that Mr. Harmon had fired at what he claimed was a giant bird. A bird he was certain had carried Nancy and Jimmy off. We found one of the feathers on the snow. As a matter of fact, here it is on the mantel here. Well, let me see it. Yeah. Hmm, uh, this is very, very curious. Uh, do you know what bird this feather came from, Mr. Kent? No, I don't, Father. This is one of the large tail quills of a big male turkey, bleached white. A uh, turkey? Yes, that's what it is. I raised them out west when I was a boy, so I should know. This one's been bleached with lime or oxalic acid. The natural color is gray. Uh, tell me more about this bird, Mr. Kent. Well, there's much more I know. Although I could scarcely believe that any bird, even a condor, was strong enough to carry off a human being, the abrupt ending of those footprints in the snow and Mr. Harmon's insistence that he had seen the giant bird made me wonder. Where did you find Nancy and Jimmy? In a cabin about two miles from here. There was a fire going in the stove, so evidently no permanent harm was meant them. They were both unconscious. I brought them back here, and, well, the rest you know. Kent... I'm afraid we're dealing with a clever, unscrupulous individual who must be somewhere in this camp. Well, how do you explain the footprints, Father? I mean, the fact that they ended abruptly and led nowhere. Well, I, I can't at the moment. Neither can I explain the bird Mr. Harmon saw, unless it was simply hysteria. Certainly, Fred Harmon doesn't believe in the White Plague now, does he? I'm beginning to wonder. At times, even Dawson seems to be drawn in by it. Of course, once Nancy and Jimmy awake and, and were able to tell us what happened, why, then we'll know a great deal more than we do now. Yes. I wonder who that could be this time of the night. I'll see. Oh, Dawson, come in. Why, I, I thought you turned in, Bill. 
Couldn't sleep, Father. This thing's been preying on my mind. Pull up a chair for yourself. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Kent here has been telling me all that's happened, Bill. What do you make of it? Well, right now I'm mixed up, Father. The men will clear out of camp in the morning. They're all scared to death. What are they afraid of? You know, same old story. A white plague. Are you afraid of it, Bill? Oh, me? Of course not. I didn't think so. Well, who's leading the men on? Fear always has a leader, you know. No one in particular, unless it's Kurt Travers. He keeps telling them the camp's cursed. We've got to keep the men here, Bill, if only for their own morale. We've got to prove this white plague legend is just that, a legend. You're going to have a tough time, Father, I can tell you. Not if I get your help, Bill. By the way, Bill, do I understand that you said one of the loggers was bitten by a rattler? Now you know as well as I do that rattlers haul in for the winter. All right. It was the first thing I could think of at the moment. I mentioned a heart attack, but that didn't work. Well, how did the man die? He was poisoned, Father. What? Are you sure, Kent? Positive. You didn't say nothing to Mr. Harmon or me about that, Kent. I was keeping it to myself. Someone around here can't be trusted. Oh, listen, Kent, I don't take that kind of talk. Oh, no, no, sit down, Bill. I'm sure Mr. Kent meant no harm. Uh-huh. Better watch what he says. You're very sensitive tonight, Dawson. Now, uh, please, Mr. Kent. I'm sorry, Father. How did you happen to discover the man was poisoned, Mr. Kent? He was sitting on a stump eating lunch when he collapsed. I picked up the remains of the sandwich he dropped when I helped Dawson lift him and carry him to the shed. It was loaded with rat poison. Bichloride of mercury. I don't believe it. Whether you believe it or not, I happen to have what's left of the sandwich, and I can produce it at the proper time. Then what all this boils down to is systematic murder. But what possible motive could there be? Wait a minute. The crew's lunch was packed by the crook. Nobody knew Sam Green was going to get that poison sandwich, assuming it was poison. I don't think it was intended for Green. It didn't matter who got it. Oh, sounds fishy to me. Don't it to you, Father? Not if the man who poisoned it was out to create terror and fear of the white plague, which seems to be the case. But then why did he try to get rid of Jimmy and myself? Certainly we played no part in the scheme of things. Unless... Unless what, Mr. Kent? Well, I may be all wet on this, but could it be that the person who tried to kill us doesn't believe that Jimmy and I came here to the camp just for a vacation? Is it possible he thinks I'm spying on him? That presupposes he has something to hide. Wait a minute. I thought I heard someone moving around in the back room. Jimmy and Nancy might have regained consciousness. No, no, I guess not. Who would have anything to hide in a backwoods logging camp? It might be a crime committed some time ago. I can see this ain't getting nowhere. Guess I'll turn in. Good night, Father. Good night, Bill. I trust you can sleep. Good night, Dawson. Good night. I don't like his attitude. Not a bit. Ah, Bill Dawson's all right. Little crude and little gruff, but harmless. You mustn't look for the polish of civilization in these woods, King. There isn't time to acquire it. Men of the North Country spend most of their working hours either fighting for existence or battling nature. Either way, they have a fight on their hands. So do city people. I assure you, life isn't a bed of roses for the unfortunate families who have to live in slum areas. Ah, there you're right. But the problem up here is slightly different. Now, you work at the desk back at your newspaper office, don't you? Yes. Well, chances are you never stop to think of the sweat and blood that went into getting the wood for that desk. First, the superhuman labor of felling the tree with a thermometer at 30 degrees below zero, and then carting it to the river in the face of a blinding blizzard, then pouring it 50 miles downstream where a misstep means horrible death. 
all for a desk or a chair or a pencil. These men who do that work face destruction every minute of the day, and all they have to guard against it is their wits and their brawn. You can't expect any social grace. Oh, I, I don't, Father Malone. That, that wasn't my point. It's just that Dawson's been acting strange through all this misfortune. I, I, I can't quite understand it. Well, I, I had that same trouble when I first arrived here, but I learned fast. They don't talk unless they have something to say. They've never seen anything accomplished by talking. It takes two brawny arms and a sharp-bladed axe to fell a tree, not just words. Understand? I think so. Ah, uh, but you mustn't let me go on like this. You, no, no, you were saying that, that Bill's actions have been strange. Wait a minute. I thought I heard a voice. Yeah. Boy, you did. You did. Someone shouting fire. Look, one of the cabins is blazing. Come on, Father. Right behind you, Ken. Look at those flames. Say, you can feel the heat from here. It's terrific. Those dry pine logs go up like kinder. I wonder whether anyone's in that cabin. Well, we'll find out. Hey! Is there anyone inside? Yes! Quick, Travers! He can't get out! He's trapped! Quick, Travers! Trapped! We've got to take Roaring, devastating fire, the woodsman's one deadly fear. Will Kent, even a superman, be able to save Kurt Travers from the blazing inferno of his log cabin? And can the fire be kept from spreading into the forest beyond the camp? Tune in again for more thrills. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth. And justice. And now to our story. As you remember, Jimmy Olsen and Nancy Harmon, missing from the Bartlett logging camp for hours, were found in a cabin deep in the woods, both of them unconscious from a sleeping potion. Father Malone, a strapping Northwoods priest, summoned from the nearest town because of his widespread fame as a minister to the body as well as the soul, has decided that neither Jimmy nor Nancy will suffer any ill effects after the potion has worn off. But in the meantime, while Kent and Father Malone are talking in the camp office, a fire breaks out in one of the loggers' cabins. A roaring inferno in which a helpless man is trapped. Are you sure there's someone in that cabin? Yes, Kirk Travers. Kirk Travers? He can't get out. They'll never quench that fire with water, Kent. I'm afraid not, Father. It's too far gone. What are you doing? Taking off my coat. I'm going in for that man. No, you're not. I can't even let her die like a caged animal. Uh, Father, let go of me, Kent. You'll never get through that wall of flame, Father Malone. Now, do it, Father. Uh, listen to me. You stay here. If the fire shifts, you may be able to get through, through that window. I'll go around to the other side. We'll get him out if it's humanly possible. All right, Kent. Good luck for your life. Well, it's not humanly possible, but it is possible for Superman. 
There's only one difficulty. I can't afford to have anyone see me. No time to worry about that now. I'll have to chance it. Now, this is where the door must be. All right, here it goes. There, I'm inside. I don't think I was seen. Now to find Travers and haul him out. Great, God, this fire hasn't missed an inch of the cabin. Burning like all fury. Travers! Travers! Oh, there he is. Doubled up in a corner with the flames playing all around him. Clothes are on fire. Beat these flames out with my hands. There. Hope I'm not too late. Poor fellow's horribly burned. Well, out we go, right through the thick of it. That does it. I came through there so fast, I don't think the flames got to him again. Now to assume Clark Kent's role. Father Malone! Oh, thank heavens, you've got to come out. Yes, the door collapsed, and there he was. But he's badly burned. We'd better get him to Mr. Harmon's cabin. Can I help you? No, I'll carry him. You lead the way. Let me have that ointment, Dawson. Yes? Yes. Is that saline solution ready, Kent? I have it right here. Completely dissolved? Yes. You know how to fill a hypodermic syringe? I think so. You'll find one in my bag, wrapped in sterile gauze. Fill it with the salt solution, but hurry. All right. How does it look, Father? Uh, not too good, Bill. Most of his burns are third degree, and they're bad. Ready with that hypo, Kent? In a minute. Here it is. Good. Now. Oh. Turn his left arm around. Palm up. Palm up, yeah. Careful. That's it. Yeah. Now, hold it steady. I got it. There. I'll fill the hypo again. All right. How did the fire start, Bill? Nobody knows. When I left here, I walked over to my cabin. The minute I got inside, I heard someone yell. It couldn't have flared up like that in less than a minute. Hypo's ready, Father Malone. Now, thank you. Now, hold his arm. Gently. All right. It's enough for the time being, Neil. Now all we can do is hope and pray. I've done everything I can, spiritually and physically. Uh, cover him up with that blanket. All right, Father. There we are. There. Now I'm going out to look at what's left of the cabin. I'll be right back. We'll come with you, Ken. Oh, all right. You say you didn't see any fire when you passed Travers' cabin on the way to your own, Bill? No, I didn't. That's impossible. I told you I didn't see no fire, Kent. And I tell you it's impossible. Oh, you dirty... Cut it out, both of you. He can't call me no liar and get away with it. I'll bust him in two. Put your hand up, Kent. You're going to get the thrash into your life. I'm ready. I'll put the terror to both of you unless you stop this nonsense. And don't think I can't do it. No man calls me a liar. I don't care who he is. If that's the worst you ever called, Dawson, you're lucky. Now, come on. And don't try anything either of you. Now, let's fly with the right course of only a boxing championship at college. Come on. Yeah. I ain't through with him yet. Not by a long shot. Well, here's what's left of the cabin. Nothing but a few pieces of charred pine and an iron cart. Yeah, that fire must have been burning for a good ten minutes before we heard the logger shout. I tell you, it wasn't burning when I went by. Now, hold your temper, Bill. I'm inclined to agree with Kent. He couldn't possibly have gotten that far and done so much damage. Wait a minute. Smell this piece of wood, Father. Kent. Smells like kerosene. That's what it is. I may have to apologize, Dawson. If the cabin was saturated with kerosene, it might very well have gone up in less than a minute. I didn't see no fire. This piece of wood has kerosene on it, too. That's what happened, Father. 
Someone spilled kerosene around the cabin and then touched a match to it. Well, that hardly sounds possible, Kent. Dawson, was Travers alone in the cabin? Yeah. Preston used to bunk with him, but he was the one who disappeared and then came back to die before he could talk. Travers was afraid he was going to be next. He said so, and Sam Green went. He and Sam worked on the last tree we felled this morning. Ah, don't talk nonsense, Bill. This isn't any ridiculous legend. This is cold-blooded murder. We'd, we'd better get the sheriff. He should have been called in a long time ago. Send one of your men to town, Bill. Wait a minute. Someone's coming over. Mr. Dawson. What is it, Charlie? The men are all set to hike into Mobile. They say they ain't spending another night here. Thought I'd better tell you. Uh, oh, wait. Let me talk to them. Where are they, Charlie? Won't do no good, Father. Hank and Chris swear they saw a guy with wings go into the burning cabin after Kurt Travers. They don't want no part of this camp. A man with wings? Well, they're out of their minds. I, I think I can handle them. Uh, you and Dawson go back to the office, Kent, and keep an eye on Travers. All right, Charlie. Now take the road to I'm sorry I went overboard, Dawson. You won't hold it against me, will you? Forget it. Thanks. Well, come on. What do you make of this now, Dawson? It don't make sense. I'm beginning to feel like the men. White plague or no white plague, I want to get out. I don't like it. Hank Bershay and Chris Dunham say they saw a man with wings go in after Travers. There are no blind fools, Kent. They saw something. Well, they probably saw me pulling Travers out of the doorway. Well, maybe. Oh, Mr. Harmon's up. Hello. Kent. Kent, what happened? Why is Kurt Travers lying there? One of the cabins caught fire and burned down. Travers was trapped inside. Dawson, is that true? Yes. Did you hear nothing? Not a sound. I woke up suddenly and walked out here and saw Travers stretched out on the couch. What is a ghost? Is he... Father Malone tried to save him. We can't be sure yet. Right now he looks... Dawson. He passed away. How do you know? No pulse, no respiration. He's gone. Well, this is ghastly. When will it stop? What's that puddle near the couch? Snow melting off Mr. Harmon's shoes. Want me to get Father Malone, Kent? Oh, it's too late now. Draw the blanket up. That makes five, don't it? Yeah. Five men murdered. No. Not murdered. No, it can't be. I'm afraid that's what it is, Mr. Harmon. Dawson, did you wire Mr. Bartlett? Did you tell him we were closing up? Haven't had a chance. Haven't had a... It don't matter. The men are quitting, all of them. I don't blame them. I'm going myself. This is too much. Where's Nancy? She and Jimmy are still sleeping off the effects of the drug. I'll look in on them. You don't blame me, Bill, do you? You don't blame me for closing the camp? No, I don't blame you. I've had enough of it myself. That cabin going up in flames was a last straw. How did it start? Kerosene. You mean? Someone poured kerosene all over it. Someone who wanted to get rid of Kurt Travers. Jimmy and Nancy are all right. Where's Father Malone? Talking to your men, trying to convince them to stay. No, I don't want him to. Let them go. Why, Mr. Harmon? I can't keep them here any longer. Their lives are in danger. Let them go. We've all got to get out. As soon as possible. Oh, here's Father Malone now. Well, the men agreed to stay. What's the matter, Kent? Oh, Mr. Harmon's up. Travers is dead, Father. No. At least he spares no pain. For that, we give thanks. Father Malone, I don't want the men to remain in camp. 
I'm closing it up. Uh, you, you can't do that, Mr. Harmon. I won't permit it. Well, what do you mean? Well, I won't let these men become the victims of stupid, senseless fear. If they leave, it must be with a conviction that human hands wreaked this havoc, that a twisted human brain created this madness. And further, whoever has been responsible for this must be brought to justice. Well, I've had enough, I tell you. I can't stand any more of it, Hint. Watch him. Easy there, Mr. Harmon. Here, take my hand. You better sit down. I'm sorry. Forgive me. That's all right. We understand. Kent, you and Dawson carry poor Travis into one of the back rooms. I, I've asked all the men to come here. We're they're going to get to the bottom of this before dawn. All right, Kent. Take a seat. Easy. Ah, you must get a grip on yourself, Mr. Harmon. You can't show the men that you've been affected. All right, I'll try. I'll do my best. That's the way to go. Father Malone. Yes, Kent? I don't think it will be necessary to have the men here. Well, why not? It's the only way to question everyone at once. I don't think you'll have to question anyone. Well, what do you mean? I know who killed those five loggers. I know who set fire to the cabin. I know who's responsible for everything that's happened. And I can prove it. Well, Clark Kent certainly seems sure of himself, doesn't he? Do you know who used the legend of the White Plague to cast an evil spell of mystery over the Bartlett logging camp? Then tune in on the next episode of Superman for a startling solution. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, 
race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands. And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our story. Faced with the problem of clearing up the mystery surrounding the Bartlett logging camp, Father Malone, a strapping Northwoods priest, has taken matters into his own hands. He has asked all the terrified lumberjacks to meet him in the camp office, where, once and for all, he intends to expose the legend of the White Plague, said to be responsible for all that has happened. But before the lumberjacks arrive, Clark Kent, present in the office, together with Fred Harmon, manager of the camp, and Bill Dawson's logging boss, makes a startling statement. Listen. What was that you said, Kent? I said I don't think it'll be necessary to question the men, Father Malone. Well, it's the only way we'll ever get to the bottom of this. I think we're at the bottom now. Well, what do you mean? I know who was responsible for using the legend of the White Plague to terrify the camp. I know who murdered the five lumberjacks. But Kent, do you know what you're saying? I don't make statements, Mr. Harmon, unless I'm quite sure of myself. Well, if, if you knew all this, Kent, why didn't you tell us a long time ago? I wasn't certain a long time ago, Father. I am now. I'd better tell the men not to come. You stay right where you are, Dawson. The men might be very interested in hearing what I have to say. No, Dawson's right, Kent. If you mean what you said, if you actually know who's been responsible for all this, we'd best not tell the men, not just yet. In their fury, they'd tear him to pieces. Go ahead, Bill. Ask them to wait a few minutes. Okay. Well, who is it, Kent? And why did he take the lives of five good men? I think we'd better wait until Dawson comes back, Father. Kent, are you sure you know what you're talking about? Are you sure you're not about to accuse a man of crimes he hasn't committed? Don't worry, Mr. Harmon. No one will be accused falsely. All right, here's Dawson. Banner's sitting on powder kegs. Any minute now, they're going to blow sky high and there'll be no holding them. Go ahead, Kent. You see, we haven't much time. Who was responsible for this crime against heaven and earth? Well, telling you isn't as easy as all that, Father. I'll have to go back and trace what happened step by step. You'd better sit down, all of you. Maybe a long story. We'd best cut it short, Kent. You heard what Dawson said about the men. I'll try. Now, all of you know how Jimmy Olsen and I happened to be here. We were invited to spend a vacation at the camp. That's so, isn't it, Mr. Harmon? Oh, yes, of course. Mr. Bartlett wired that you were coming. That's right, and you wired back telling us not to come because of trouble. However, Jimmy and I weren't notified until our train was pulling into Montville. We decided to pay the camp a visit and return to Metropolis the following day. We've been here since. Is all that necessary, Kent? I'm afraid so, Father, because it proves that Jimmy and I were responsible for everything that's happened at this logging camp. Kent, are you mad? Have you lost your mind? This ain't no time for joking, Kent. I'm not out of my mind, Father, and it isn't a joke, Dawson. As much as I hate to tell you this, I'm convinced that if Jimmy and I had gone back to Metropolis without visiting the camp, everything would have been all right. Uh, You're talking through your hat, Kent. Two men were found dead before you ever set foot in the camp. I realize that. Those men lost their lives only because someone here knew I was on my way. I'm frank to admit that I, I don't follow this, Kent. It just doesn't make sense. Come to the point, man. Now, this is the point. The person responsible for all that has happened thought I had been sent up here by Mr. Bartlett to spy on him. He had a guilty conscience because of something he had done, something he had to hide at any cost. And you mean to say, Kent, that, that he took the lives of five men to hide that something? Yes. He used the legend of the White Plague to throw fear into the camp. Hoping, probably, that the loggers would quit. The camp would be disbanded and there'd be no knowledge of this crime. Who was this fiend in human form, Kent? I'm coming to that, Father. In the first place, I'd like to say that this man did not work alone. He had a partner. A partner who suffered the same fate as the others because he knew too much. You mean he was one of the five? Yes. 
He was Kurt Travers. Travers? I don't believe it. Just because the man is dead and can't answer the charge. He won't have to answer it, Mr. Harmon. His partner is alive. He'll answer for Kurt Travers. Dawson. Huh? Yes? You remember what happened when Gaston, the French-Canadian, disappeared. You told me about it. Uh, sure I remember. Mr. Harmon and me were sitting in this room talking about the White Plague when we heard a scream. We ran out in a raging blizzard to see what had happened. Gaston was gone. We couldn't find him nowhere. Who told you it was Gaston who had screamed? Bert Travers. The Canucks bunked in the same cabin with Travers. That's right. It was Travers who told you Gaston had screamed and Travers who said he'd vanished. Well, I don't see that you're getting very far, Kent. What are you trying to prove? Simply that Travers lied. It wasn't Gaston who screamed. Gaston was too far away from the camp by that time. It was Travers. How do you know all this, Kent? Well, what I've just told you is guesswork. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid it's all guesswork. We can't pass a murder on a man because someone imagines he's guilty. The rest isn't imagination, Mr. Harmon. It's cold fact. The next thing that happened after Gaston escaped from wherever he was being held and staggered back through the blizzard only to die before he could talk was Sam Green's sudden collapse. You all remember that. Oh, Kent, this isn't new to any of us. I know it isn't, Father, but every step must be traced. All right, go ahead. Well, Sam Green, as I told you once before, was poisoned. And you prove it. Yes. I have the poisoned sandwich he was eating when he keeled over. As a matter of fact, someone saw me pick that sandwich up out of the snow. One of your crew, Dawson. Who was it? Kurt Travers. He got frightened when he realized I had the evidence, and while you were giving Jimmy and myself instructions on how to drive the sled to camp, he sneaked off through the woods with a rifle and tried to get rid of us. I'm sorry to have to do this constantly, Kent, but that's something you can't prove either. Oh, yes, I can. You remember my telling you that rifle had been fired recently, Mr. Harmon? Yes, but Olaf the Swede said it hadn't been fired at all. I know, but Olaf and I were talking about different rifles. He wasn't with Dawson's crew that morning. I checked on that. The rifle he returned hadn't been shot, but the one I picked out of the corner had been. But you're not certain Travers fired it, Kent. Well, if you mean I have no eyewitness, Father, you're quite right, but let me finish. After the shooting incident, Nancy Harmon and young Jimmy disappeared. We traced their footprints in the snow, and they ended abruptly, as though someone or something had snatched them both up into the air. It was puzzling and mysterious, just as it was intended to be. Things were getting a little too warm for the guilty person, and he and his partner decided to use the mysterious disappearance of Nancy and Jimmy to break up the camp. Well, that still doesn't explain how they disappeared, Kent. Yes, I myself saw their footprints in the snow. They, they just stopped short. Would you like me to tell you how that was done? It's an old trick. How was it done, Kent? With two pairs of shoes, one belonging to Nancy, the other to Jimmy. Really? I don't know whether any of you ever noticed, but Kurt Travers had very small feet. As a matter of fact, he and Jimmy wore the same size shoe. It was a simple matter for him to create those footprints and then back up on them. Well, Kent, I, I must say this is all a little hard to believe. Yes, I'm afraid so. Well, Mr. Harmon, you remember when we discovered the footprints, Dawson and I went on to the pine woods while you returned to camp to search the cabins? Well, yes, I remember. Well, just as Dawson and I were about to enter the woods, we heard shots. We rushed back, and you had been shooting at what you thought was a giant bird. I didn't have to think, Kent. I saw it with my own eyes. That's one thing I'm sure of. Well, you failed to hit the bird, but one of its feathers came floating down. You found it. That's right. I showed you the feather, Father Malone. What did you tell me it was? A tail quill from a large turkey, bleached white. But that's impossible. Nothing is impossible, Mr. Harmon. I got a question I'd like to ask, Kent, if you don't mind. Not at all, Dawson. All this you've been telling us sounds mighty good. There's one thing don't sit right. What is it? Why didn't this guy you're talking about, whoever he is, get rid of Nancy and the boy instead of leaving them in a shack in the woods? The fire going in the stove. 
If, like you say, he killed five men, why did he take such good care of them two? That's a very sensible question, Dawson, and I'm glad you asked it. I'll tell you why. For this reason. Although this man we're talking about was desperate, he wasn't desperate enough to take the life of his own daughter. What? Are you mad? Are you accusing me of... do you know what you've said? I know exactly, Father. Yes, Mr. Harmon. I'm accusing you of being responsible for everything that has happened in this camp. But the man's insane. He's out of his mind. It's a serious charge you've made, Ken. I realize that, Father, and I can prove it. Less than an hour ago, a cabin went up in flames. We know it had been saturated with kerosene and set afire. It was done to get rid of Travers because Mr. Harmon here was afraid we were on his trail and he couldn't run the risk of Travers talking. That's a lie. Father Malone, I demand Just that... a minute. Do you deny that you set fire to that cabin, Harmon? Of course I deny it. I was asleep through it all. I heard nothing until you and Dawson came into this office. That's what you told us. Bill, you're going to let this madman accuse me of murder without doing something about it? What makes you think Mr. Harmon set that cabin afire, Ken? I don't have to think, Dawson, I know. Now, try and remember what happened when we walked into this office after we discovered how the fire started. Kurt Travers was stretched out on that couch. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Harmon was standing over there, looking dazed. He asked us what had happened, and we told him. I stepped over to the couch to look at Travers and found he had passed away. Now, do you remember my asking you, Dawson, about a little puddle of water on the floor near the couch? Yeah. Snow melting off Mr. Harmon's shoes. Exactly. Snow melting off Mr. Harmon's shoes. He had been outside, walking through the snow, pouring kerosene around Travers' cabin, setting it on fire. Dawson, grab that rifle. Too late. Stand back, all of you. Put that gun down, Fred. Not on your life. Now stand back. I'll send a bullet through the first man that moves. You're making a big mistake, Harmon. This won't get you anywhere. I know where it'll get me. You're a pretty smart guy, Kent. But I'm one step ahead of you. I knew you were one of Bartlett's spies. I knew it. That's where you're wrong, Harmon. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Who do you think you're kidding? Not me. I know what Bartlett sent you up here for to check my accounts. Well, go ahead and check them. You'll find the company short the money for 30,000 feet of lumber, maybe more. I stole it, Kent. Tell that to Bartlett. I stole it to get enough to bring my daughter up like a lady to take her out of logging camps. Now are you satisfied? Give me that rifle, Fred. Oh, no. Not even for you, punk. Think of Nancy, Fred. I've been thinking of her. That's what got me into this. Keep back, brother. I'm warning you. Look out. He'll shoot. Fred, I'm going to walk right up to you. And you're going to give me that rifle. Keep back. Keep back. Trapped in a maze of evidence that forced him to admit his guilt, Fred Harmon stands with his back against the wall as Father Malone, the Northwoods priest, slowly approaches him. Suddenly, the rifle in Harmon's hands thunders its message of death, and three men stare in shocked amazement. Something unexpected has happened. What is it? Listen to the next episode of Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here. Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot. On surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. 
from the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming Video Game Box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are facts just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, dig You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look, up in the sky! Bird, it's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. Trapped in a maze of evidence gathered by Clark Kent... Fred Harmon, boss of the Bartlett Logging Camp, is forced to admit that he was responsible for all that has happened in the camp, including the mysterious deaths of five lumberjacks. Suspecting that Kent, spending a vacation at the camp with Jimmy Olsen, was sent there by Mr. Bartlett to check up on him, Harmon created a reign of terror and fear, hoping by so doing to close the camp up and in that way hide forever the fact that he has been systematically stealing money paid for lumber, money belonging to the company of which Bartlett is the head. Having admitted his guilt, Harmon snatched up a rifle and held Kent, Dawson, and Father Malone, a Northwoods priest, at bay, threatening to shoot the first man who moved. The situation is tense in the camp office. Harmon, his back against the wall, faces the three men, rifle half-raised. Listen. I'm warning you. Make one move and I'll shoot to kill. Give me that rifle, Fred. Don't make it worse than it is. I can't make it any worse. Stand back! I'm warning you. Be careful, Father Malone. He'll shoot. Fred, I'm going to walk toward you. When I reach you, you're going to hand me that rifle. Keep back. Keep back. He turned the rifle on himself. Get him to the couch, Kent. Hey, get me some water, Dawson, quick. Don't bother getting any water. He's beyond our help. Let me see. Leave me alone with him for a few moments, Kent. Certainly, Father. Come on, Dawson. If you'd have told me the world was going to bust wide open, Kent, I'd have believed it sooner than I'd believe this. Yes, I know. I've been working in logging camp since I was 17. I've had a lot of bosses. Most of them were tough. Well, you gotta be tough to handle men twice as big as you. Fred Harmon wasn't tough. Not a bit. Sometimes I wondered how he ever got the job. And uh, to find out it was him who killed those poor devils. I think you'd both better carry him out. Nancy is awakened and I want to have a talk with her. 
Now, there's one thing I want you to remember. Nancy must never know what happened. I'm going to tell her he met his death honorably. Yes, Father. All right, quickly, now. Right. Better take him around the back, though, so none of the men will see it. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's just all right. Set him down. Funny thing about wolves and dogs, they know when something happens. Listen to that one, Father. She can't hear a word you're saying, Jimmy. Just wave. That's it. There, she's waving back. Well, here she goes. I hope Nancy likes working at the Daily Planet. Why, because you like Nancy? Oh, I cut it out, Mr. Kent. <laughs> I don't blame you a bit, Jimmy. Nancy Harmon's a lovely girl. Oh, girls don't mean anything to me. Oh. Hey, where's Father Malone? Arranging to get us a dog sled and a guide. He's probably at the hotel. Can we walk over? Sure. Gosh, I think it would swell you to call Mr. White and ask him to give Nancy a job on the paper, Mr. Kent. But it's just like you. You're a swell guy. Well, it's nice of you to say so, Jimmy, even if you don't mean it. Don't mean it? A leaf in catfish. If you weren't a swell guy, we'd be going back to Metropolis on that train. Instead, we're going to take a dog sled trip up into Canada. Now I ask you, do I mean it or don't I? Well, maybe you do. All of this, Father Malone. Talking to that little man in the plaid shirt. Oh, maybe he's our guy. Oh, there you are, Larry. I was just coming down to the station. Did Nancy get off all right? Uh-huh. Kent, you took a big burden off my mind in seeing to it that Nancy is the place to go. I'll never forget. No, that was nothing, Father. Oh, incidentally, I spoke to Mr. Bartlett by long-distance phone. Oh. Bill Dawson is staying on at the camp as manager. The men have quieted down, and all told, I should say the results have been better than I expected. Yes, uh, it will soon be dark, Monsignor. To fix the dogs, I must know when we start. Oh, Batiste, I'm sorry. I have forgot all about you. Batiste, this is Mr. Kent and Jimmy. Glad to meet you, Pleasure, Monsieur. Belong to Batiste. Batiste is the best dog team driver and guide in the North Country, Kent. Well, there are none better. Yeah, Batiste is the best in the North, the South, the East, and the West. Vive Batiste. <laughs> <laughs> There's one thing I want to warn you about, Kent. You too, Jimmy. Besides being the best driver, Batiste is also the best tall storyteller. Don't believe all you hear from him. Ah, Monsignor, Batiste is himself. You'll get over it. <laughs> well, I guess you might as well start. You'll probably want to make camp before nightfall. Goodbye, Ken. Goodbye, Father. And goodbye, Jimmy. It's been nice knowing both of you. And if you ever come through Montville again, don't fail to stop off. We may see on our way back, unless we decide to fly to Metropolis from Canada. But if we don't, Father, eat well. So long, Jimmy. So long, Father Malone. And don't forget what you promised. Uh, what was that? But don't you remember? Well, what, Jimmy? If any of the trappers up here ever catch a baby black bear, you'll send them to me. Oh, oh yes. All right, all right, I'll do it. I'm afraid that one promise you'd better break, Father. Oh, I don't say that, Mr. Kent. <laughs> well, don't worry, little head, about it, Jimmy. We'll see. Uh, Monsieur, she will soon be there. But these do not like you. All right, we're coming. Goodbye, Father. Goodbye. 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 Gosh, see the little puppies barking. Now they'll stop barking the minute Baptiste gives them the supper. <laughs> you see? <laughs> Do I have to bark to get my supper? No, but you have to chop that kindling for the fire. Come on, now, stop talking and chop. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Uh, she's ready too light, no? I think so. Jimmy's chopping some extra kindling. Yeah, so for what do we wait? Put the holy man. Okay. <laughs> you, you chop the wood very good, eh? Now, you see, Mr. Kent, but he's like the way I chop wood. Yes, when you chop it. Oh, gosh, isn't there enough? Look at that pile. Oh, the fire, she must be kept burning all night. What for? We've got sleeping bags. And anyway, that fire wouldn't keep us warm. Oh, but you do not understand. It's not for the warmth. I don't know. It is to keep off the animals. The animals? You certainly are an expert woodman, Jimmy. Don't you know that fire keeps animals away? What kind of animals? All kinds. Wolves, bears, wildcats. You mean if we didn't have a fire that wildcats would come? I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Leaping catfish! Hey, look out, Jimmy. You cut your leg off of that hatchet swinging so fast. I don't care what I cut off. I'm going to chop enough wood to keep that fire blazing all night. <laughs> and now I know how to keep you working. Just mention wildcats. <laughs> yeah, the fire is good. Now we cook the potage. Oh, what potage? As some sort of a soup or stew, I guess. Ah, uh, monsieur, the potage is très magnifique. It's wonderful. Once Baptiste is alone in the wood, night has come. The snow is deep. There's very little wood. So Baptiste has no fire for the night, huh? And soon the wolf comes. So what do Baptiste do? Shoot him. Oh, no, no, no. Baptiste has some potage left over. So it is the wolf, the potage. Do they buy Baptiste? No. Do they want to eat Baptiste? No. They're so happy with the potage, they go away. They do not come back again. Oh, that's a lot of baloney. Well, what is this baloney? Uh, something you slice, Patsy. How <laughs> better it taste good in your potage? Oh, no, 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 no. This baloney I do not put in my potage. Uh, Patsy, did you ever have a fight with wolves? Oh, did Batiste ever have the fight with the wolves? With 100 wolves, Batiste had the fight. Listen, I will tell you. Uh, no, 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 no. Look, the potage is ready, and she will be good potage. Very good. Oh, if it's as good as your story, Patsy. Lead me to it. <laughs> uh, uh, you are more pleased. Thank you. And now uh, for you, monsieur. Mm, certainly smells good, Patsy. Mm, tastes good, too. What's in it, Patsy? Oh, that is the secret I cannot tell you. Oh, no wonder the wolves didn't bother you after sampling it. <laughs> oh, that is nothing. Have I told you about the bulbous? No? Well, I will tell you. Two years ago, I'm going to the big wood near Sanctuary. When suddenly I hear the crashing in the bush, and gross in another of Batiste's tall stories, neither Clark Kent nor Jimmy Olsen are aware that a pair of sharp eyes are watching their every move in the shadowed protection of the deep forest behind them. Finally, the eyes have seen enough, and their owner turns and slips silently into the darkness, following a scarcely visible trail to a shack deep in the pine. He hesitates for a moment, glances over his shoulder, and then opens the door. It's just like I said. Two guys and a kid. One of the guys is a canuck driver. They ain't government men. I'm not taking any chances. Where'd you say they were at? Camping in that clearing west of here. They got a big fire going. That's a help. A big help. We gotta get them out of there. Yeah? How you gonna do it? I don't know, but we're gonna. What time is it? Oh, it's uh, nine o'clock. Hmm. Frenchy's due to drop a shipment at midnight. And he won't drop it if he sees their fire. We gotta make sure that fire's out. Come on. Take your shotgun. How are you gonna work it, Bull? Never mind. You just stand by and listen. You better be careful, Bull. Shooting will bring trouble. Don't worry. 
There won't be no shooting. Not unless there has to be. Now, come on. He ain't got no time to waste. Don't forget, I'll do all the talk. Who are these men, and why do they object to Stamp Jimmy and Batiste camping in the forest clearing? What is the mysterious shipment that Frenchie won't drop if he sees the campfire? It looks like excitement ahead, so don't fail to tune in for the next episode of Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature... Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, Mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. With the mystery of the Bartlett logging camp solved and Nancy Harmon on her way to Metropolis to work at the Daily Planet, Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen, rather than cut their vacation short, have engaged a French-Canadian guide, Baptiste, to take them on a two-week dog sled trip. The first night out, they camp in a forest clearing where Baptiste amuses them with tall stories of his prowess. But unknown to either Kent or Jimmy, they are being watched. Two hard-bitten men who occupy a cabin deep in the woods and seem to be engaged in a strange, secretive business are even now moving slowly toward the fire around which Jimmy, Kent, and Batiste are grouped. Listen. Hold up a minute, Chuck. You see him in the clearing? Yeah, I see him. Which one's the Canuck driver? The one on the right. The other guy looks pretty big. He ain't so big. All right, now remember what I told you. Keep your mouth shut. Okay, Bo. Let's go. We got you covered. Don't nobody move. Hey, what's that? Where are you? Hold that on him, Chuck. Hey, mind putting those rifles the other way? Yes, we do mind. Stand up, come on. We're do nothing like this, monsieur. We're not interested in whether you like it or not. See what's in the sled, Chuck. Okay. Can I ask why we're being held up this way? What have we done? I don't know what you've done, mister, but we're here to see that you don't do any more of it. I'm sorry, but I don't understand any more of what? Got a license to trap first? Do you not have the first? I can't you're crazy. Keep that big mouth of yours shut or I'll shut it for you. Nothing in the clerk, some sleeping bags. You're pretty lucky we didn't catch you with no skin. Now pack up and get out of here. Why, we planned to camp here for the night. Well, your plans have been changed, mister. Don't give me no argument. Pack up and get. This I have never heard of. It is insult to Batiste. Why do we have to move? Because this is a government game preserve. You're not allowed to camp on it. Tell your driver to pack up. Chuck, put the fire on. Okay. Well, it will have to move, Batiste. Hitch the dogs up. Are you gentlemen game wardens? That's it, mister. Well, where can we camp? Where does the preserve end? 
Five miles west of here. You mean we have to go five miles through the darkness? That ain't my headache, mister. Your driver should have known better. Fire out, Chuck. Yeah, all but a couple of embers. Okay. Sorry we had to bust in on you like this, but orders is orders. Good night. Good night. That's a nice how do you do. Teeth is ready to chew nails. Listen to him. So am I, Jimmy. I don't quite understand this. Well, there isn't much to understand. This is a game preserve, they said, and you're not allowed to camp on it. I wonder. You wonder what? I wonder whether it is a game preserve. Certainly Batiste should know. What did they think we were, fur trappers? I guess so. Well, dogs are hitched up, Mr. Kent. Might as well start. I think we're going to stay right here, Jimmy. But gosh, those game wardens said... I don't know what they said. Batiste! We're not moving, Batiste. We're staying right here. Unhitch the dogs. Hey, Lou, you mean these? Yes. Uh, don't light any fires. What's the idea, Mr. King? Oh, just a hunch. You think there's something wrong? Yeah, but he think he will write the letter to the president. I don't know, Jimmy. Right now, it's only a hunch. We'll see. Maybe I'm mistaken. Get the dogs unhitched, Batiste, and be quiet about hey. it. But these is quiet like How can we stay here without a fire, Mr. Kent? What about the animals? Well, we'll take turns sleeping. You and Baptiste start off. I'll sit up and watch. Well, what if those game wardens come back? I don't think they will. And if they do, the worst that can happen is they'll tell us to move on again. All right, come on. Let's get the sleeping bags out of the sled. Getting late. We've got to make an early start in the morning. As the long northern night wears on, Jimmy and Baptiste sleep comfortably in their fur-lined bags. And Clark Kent, alert to every sound, sits up in the darkness. Far off in the distance, a snow owl hoots mournfully. The dense woods give forth the faintly heard rustle of prowling beasts, drawn near by the spore of human flesh. Suddenly, Kent sits bolt upright, his keen eyes centered on a tiny pinpoint of green light that seems to be moving across the sky. That light must be an airplane. Yes, it is. I can hear the sound of the motor. Inaudible to any ears but those of Superman, the hum of the approaching plane motor grows louder and louder as the invisible ship, marked only by wing light, circles slowly not far from the forest clearing where Kent, Jimmy, and Batiste have camped. Whoever's piloting that plane seems to be looking for something. I wonder what it is. Suddenly, as Kent watches the approaching plane, a gleaming ray of light stabs the darkness, reaching from the black depths of the forest beyond the clearing to the endless heavens above. Once, twice... Three times, it flashes a wordless message to the circling plane. Dropping the guise of Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter, Superman comes to his feet, every muscle in his magnificent body tense. Well, looks like my suspicions were justified. Something's going on here. That plane and those signal lights must have some connection with those two game wardens. Uh, what was that? Sounded like an animal crashing through the brush. No, no, it couldn't have been. It stopped too suddenly. Wait a minute. I know what it was. That plane dropped something. Yeah, now it's heading back from where it came. I think this deserves a little investigation. I'll just sneak off and see whether I can find out who was responsible for that signal. Mr. Kent! Mr. Kent! Uh Uh-oh. Jimmy's awake. I'll have to drop Superman for a while. Here I am, Jimmy. Oh, I got frightened when you didn't answer. Something woke me up. Funny noise, like a motor. Oh, you were probably dreaming. Go on back to sleep. Oh, isn't it time for me to get up? No, no, you still have a good two hours.
case. Hey, wait a minute. Look up there in the sky. What are those lights? Oh, just a couple of stars. Oh, no, they're not. They're moving. Uh, don't get out of your sleeping bag, Jimmy. You'll freeze to death. I'll put my Mackinac on. Mr. Kent, those airplane lights. That's what I heard, a plane motor. Well, what of it? Chances are it's a mail plane or maybe even a passenger transport. Flying over these woods? Why not? Has to fly over something to get to its destination. All right, come on now. Climb back into your bag. It's gone now. There's nothing more to see. Oh, I'm not sleepy anymore. I'll sit up with you. Now, isn't that silly? It isn't necessary for both of us to be awake. Well, and you turn in. Jimmy, sometimes you can be very exasperating. Oh, gosh, what have I done? Just because I'm not sleepy anymore, does that mean I'm exasperating? Quiet. Wake Baptiste and all three of us will be sitting up. Gee, Willikas, I don't get this. You mean to say just because I can't sleep? All right, all right, keep your shirt on. It isn't because you can't sleep, it's because you woke up at the wrong time. I couldn't help that. The plane motor did it. I know. See, I was just about to sneak away when you started yodeling for me. Sneak away? You were going to leave us? Just for a few minutes. Oh, I suppose I might just as well tell you. Tell me what? That plane you saw wasn't carrying mail or passengers. How do you know? Did it land? No, but it circled five or six times, evidently looking for something. Then a powerful light flashed a signal to it from a spot deep in the woods. Gosh. A minute or so after the signal flashed, I think the plane dropped something. Well, what do you think it dropped? A, a man? I doubt it very much. Anyway, now you know why your sudden awakening exasperated me. Well, what are we going to do about the plane and whatever it dropped, Mr. Kent? Well, the plane's gone, so we can't do much about that. I know, but... We could find out why it dropped and who flashed the signal to it. Well, that was my plan before you decided you'd had enough sleep. Well, now we can both find out. That's the trouble. You mean you don't want me to go with you? Well... Oh, I see. You think I'll get in the way. No, no, no. It isn't that, Jimmy. What is it? Well, sometimes you hamper my movements. You make it, uh, well, difficult for me to be myself. Oh, I don't understand what you're driving at, Mr. Oh, Ken. forget it, Jimmy. It's not important. At any rate, I think we'd better wait until morning to do any prowling in these woods. So you can crawl back into your sleeping bag if you wish. Oh, no, not a chance. I wouldn't close an eye now for a million dollars. <laughs> I promise not to sneak away. Nothing doing. Okay. You will be the one who will be nodding all day tomorrow. Oh, I'd rather nod than miss anything exciting. Well, for all we know, it's nothing to get excited about. Maybe that's how the United States Conservation Service drops supplies to its game wardens. Oh, I meant to ask you, Mr. Kent. Well, what's a game preserve? Why, it's a tract of land, generally heavily wooded. Set aside by the government to uh, protect wild animals and birds. Oh, protect them against what? The people who shoot and trap them. You see, Jimmy, a country like the United States owes all its strength and power to its natural resources. Not just the birds and animals, but its rivers and forests and minerals. If any of these are abused or overworked, future generations won't have water power and wood and coal. You remember how they were cutting giant oaks at the logging camp? Yes. The government watches that pretty carefully. It has what's called a reforestation service. New oak trees are planted to take the places of the ones cut down, so that a hundred years from now or so, America will still have mighty forests. And the government does all this? Mm -hmm. The government in Washington? Well, the government isn't only in Washington, Jimmy. It's in every state in the Union. It has game wardens, forest rangers, soil conservation experts, and... What made you stop? I thought I heard voices. I don't hear anything. Quiet, Jimmy. Listen. I hear them now. Coming closer. Yes. Think we know how to drop them by this time. Over too far. Gosh, Mr. Kent, they're looking for what the plane dropped. Quiet, Jimmy. All right, come on back this way. Okay. What's the matter? Good gosh, Mr. Kent, but these dogs are barking. Those men will know we're here. Keep low, Jimmy. Right on the ground. 
Don't move a muscle. With their presence revealed by the barking of Batiste's huskies, the two men searching for the package dropped by the mysterious plane cannot help but find Kent, Jimmy, and the Canuck sled driver. Who are these men? And what is the strange mystery surrounding their midnight activities? Evidently, Clark Kent has again stumbled on something exciting. Keep listening for further development. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look, up in the sky! Bird, it's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. Looking forward to their two-week dog sled trip through the North Woods and up into Canada... Clark Kent and young Jimmy Olsen ran into trouble their first night out. No sooner had Batiste, their French-Canadian guide, selected a campsite and built a fire than two hard-bitten men armed with rifles came out of the woods, said they were game wardens, and ordered our friends to move on. But Kent, suspicious, chose to disobey the order. With the fire out, he sat in the darkness while Jimmy and Batiste slept. Suddenly, a mysterious plane appeared overhead, dropped something in the woods, and roared off. Jimmy, awakened by the drone of the motor, sat up with Kent. Shortly after, they heard voices coming from the dense woods. The two alleged game wardens were looking for whatever the plane had dropped. Keep low, Jimmy. Flat on the ground. You seem to be coming closer, Mr. Kent. Yeah, yeah, forget it. Six refugees know by now how to drop them shipments somewhere near the shack. Sounds like those two game wardens. That's who it is. All right, come on this way. They're going back. What's the matter? Hurry, Hank. Hang to Kent, the sled dogs. Shut! Hear them dogs? They're close by. Jimmy, get to those dogs as fast as you can and see if you can quiet them. All right, okay, I'll try. Over there in the clearing, Bull. Must be them campers. Oh, yeah. Your truck unloaded? Yeah. Okay, follow me. I'll teach them a lesson. They won't get in a hurry. Maybe you better teach them the lesson first. Shut! Where is he? Trying to light. Oh, no, you don't. That takes care of the flashlight. Now, drop that shot. I have it, Chuck. That won't do you any good. That's the last time that gun will ever shoot. Look out, Bull. He's got the gun. Yes, and I'm going to twist it into a pretzel. Uh, look what he's doing to the gun. You're crazy. Bull, run. I'd like to go after them, but I can't take a chance. Not with Jimmy and Baptiste around. I see it's back to Clark Kent for me and fast. Here I am, Jimmy. Oh, gosh. I heard that shot, and I thought, Chill, you'd been hit. Where are those two men? Everybody's up in here. Who fired the shot? Who tried to kill Baptiste? Uh, nobody tried to kill anyone, Baptiste. I hear these shots. Boom. That's right. One of our game warden friends fired at me. Jiminy but... Cricket, Mr. King. Well, what is it, Jimmy? Look at the shotgun I found in the snow. It's a barrel. Twisted like 
like a pretzel. Secret bleu, it is grizzly bear do this. It's what? Grizzly bear. Where is my life? Is he gone mad? He's trying to say that a big grizzly bear twisted the barrel of his shotgun. Oh, that's nonsense. Oh, then who did twist it? People don't shoot guns like this. Well, here comes Batiste, loaded for bear. Uh, show me where bear go, I choose him. I tell you, there wasn't any bear, Batiste. Oh, oui, oui, it must be. Look at the shotgun. Only grizzly bear do these two barrels. Batiste, remember, four years ago, there was big bleed. Yes, yes. We know, we know, Batiste. Seventy-five grizzly bears attacked you. Oh, no, no, monsieur. Only six. Yeah, well, all right, you'll tell us about that some other time. Right now, we're going to light a fire. Oh, but what about the game wardens, Mr. Kent? I don't think they'll bother us tonight. All right, put your gun away, Betty. Uh, monsieur, these I do not like. Whether you like it or not, put the gun away. There aren't any bears. All right, come on, Jimmy. Let's get a fire started. Well, you still haven't explained how this shotgun happened to get all twisted up, Mr. King. Jimmy, there are some things that can't be explained. Chalk this up as one of them. Now, let's get that fire going. Unable to tell, Jimmy, how the shotgun barrel was tied into a knot, Kent squeezes out of the embarrassing situation as best he can. Meanwhile, the two men who were frightened off by Superman reached their shack in the woods. Bolt the door, Chuck. Yeah. Get my rifle. Keep watch at the window. Yeah, okay. They won't find it so easy, Bo. That trail's no sense to follow at night. I told you I wasn't taking no chances before. I ain't taking no chances now. Yeah. Never thought we'd get through them woods without a light. Yeah. Me with a twisted ankle. Keep watching that window. If you see anyone, shoot to kill. Well, I, I don't like this business. Who cares whether you like it or not? Want to get tossed in the clink? No, but I don't like shooting. You better start learning to like it right now. We're good for five years if they nab us. Yeah. Maybe we'd... We'd be better off scrambling. Huh? And leave five grand worth of stuff sitting in the woods. Not on your life. Are you watching that window? Yeah, I'm watching. Bull. What? That guy that grabbed the shotgun. He was pretty big. I told you he was big the first time I seen him. He looked bigger this time. What happened when I said to you to give it to him? How come you missed? I don't know. That's what I don't understand. Oh, it's right on top of him. You got an eye like an eagle. Next time, I'll handle the gun. That suits me. I figured it would. Some guys are born chicken-hearted. I ain't chicken-hearted. Just because I don't like shooting. Shut up. Watch that window. You got no right to blame me. Why don't you blame Frenchie? He's the guy that didn't drop the shipment right. I'll take care of him later. Right now, we got to worry about that government guy. Yeah. Well, you know he's government. I know. I can smell him out. Well, then what's he got that kid along for? Just to make it look like he ain't government. Hey, both. Oh, they're lighting a fire. Yeah? I can see it from here. See it? Yeah. Okay. Let them light it. That means they ain't looking for us. That means we got time to figure something out. Oh. Then I, I don't have to watch no longer? No. But keep the rifle handy. Okay. We'll set it right here by the window. Hey, Bull. Well, how do you think they got onto us? I don't know. What difference does it make? Hmm. Guess we gotta move, huh? Maybe not. What do you mean? 
Ever step into a bear trap, Chuck? No. Not a one. Them traps can hold a 600-pound bear. Yeah? What's that got to do with it? Up in Newfoundland once, a trapper stepped into one of them by accident. He didn't look so good when they found him. He didn't look good at all. What are you driving at, Bill? We got three traps here. Big ones. So what? That government guy will be looking for us in the morning. Yeah? Chances are he'll pick up that trail through the woods. He can find it in daylight. Now, wait a minute, Bull. You ain't thinking of setting him traps. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Set all three of them on the trail, so in case he misses one, we still got two chances to get him. No. No, you can't do that, Bull. Them traps will take a man's leg off. I know it. I don't want no part of it. I tell you, I don't want... Shut up. You got plenty of time for crying after they nab it. But they ain't nabbed us yet, so don't pull no act on me. I ain't pulling no act. I just come in on this because you said there wouldn't be no rough stuff. I'll handle all the rough stuff. All you gotta do is stand by. Now get them traps out. They're in that closet. And they need some oil in them. Oh. Oh, we gotta do it this way. You know any better way? Come on, get the traps. These them here? Yeah. All them out. That's it. Dump them on the floor. Yeah. They look like they're in pretty good shape. This one could stand a little oil. Hand me that can on the shelf. Here. They use traps like this to get them big Alaska brown bears. Nothing gets loose from them. I don't like this, fool. Too many things you don't like. How about the payoff? You like that? I ain't saying anything about the payoff. Oh, I see. The dough's all right. You like that. Only working for it don't suit you. What's the matter? You got a weak stomach? Okay, they're all ready now. Get a shovel. Where are we going? To set them out. Where'd you think? Huh. Maybe you, you better count me out of this, Bull. What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean it. I don't want my cut in this shipment. Just count me out. I'll beat it. That's what you think. Now listen to me. You're in. And you're in solid. Yeah, but I'm willing to pass up my... And I'm not willing to let you. Grab those traps and the shovel. I'll carry the gun this time. Come on. Come on, I said. Okay. I'm coming. Okay, we'll set the last one here. Start digging. Not so deep. Keep it quiet. You want them to hear us? Say, you're trying to tip them off. No, I ain't trying nothing, Bull. I got a good mind to conk you with the butt of this rifle. Go ahead and dig. Okay, that's enough. I'll set the trap in the hole. Take it easy. All right. Yeah. Cover it with snow. That does it. Now, wait a minute. Part of it's showing. Cover it up. That's enough. (laughs) 
Now let's see how far that big guy gets without stepping into one of these. Come on, back to the shack. And stay off the trail. Unless you want to lose a leg. Well, the outlook isn't too bright for Kent and Jimmy in case they decide to do some exploring once daylight comes. If they do pick up the forest trail as Bull expects them to, the hidden bear traps loom dangerously along the path. What will happen? Don't forget. Tune in again for the next thrilling episode of Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Excelsior!